Well, good morning to you again, and uh, hope you'll be praying for me this morning while we try to stand before you, and that the Lord would uh, bless those things that are uh, that are on our minds and uh, been thinking about uh, about this point in time, I guess for uh, for some while, um, and you'll understand that maybe as we go through this a little bit. But uh, last last week uh, we talked about some things from the uh, uh, the Book of Lamentations. Uh, how that uh, uh, the Lord's mercies are, are not consumed. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not concerned, and because of His compassions fail not. Uh, they're new every morning, and great is Thy faithfulness. Uh, this morning, uh, if, we th- if we think about uh, us being mindful of the reason that we have uh, the joy in the Lord that we have, and that... Uh, that it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. That's a great thought for us to keep on our minds throughout the course of the year. Uh, but today, what I would like to do is turn over, if we can, uh, to the book of Jude. And uh, I brushed upon this back several months ago, uh, but would like to turn back to it now, if we can, uh, this morning for a little while. If you're not sure, Jude is right in front of Revelation. Uh, and it is uh, one, of the, one of the smaller books, one-chapter books in the Bible. Uh, and uh, Lord willing, we'd like to take a take a look at this. And I guess as I was uh, back several months ago, I, I had t- gone to one of the uh, uh, what is at least sometimes annual uh, meetings, uh, preachers meetings that we have over in, in North Georgia, just north of Atlanta. And uh, part of the part of the subject there was uh, was for us to take a look at a portion of the scripture there that's in this book of Jude. Uh, and as I began to look at this book of Jude, it began to uh, 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 I began to think more and more about what is the what is the message of the book of Jude. And as I looked across this uh, book of Jude, what I what I also asked myself was, how does how does the book of Jude apply to us today? And that's uh, and that's Lord willing, if we get to all of this, I don't know if we'll get to all of it today or not. Uh, I, this is probably something I could go through in a, in a one-hour time period, but uh, as I thought more about it, I said, you know, I'll be rushing uh, through it if I do that, and so I don't know that I want to rush. Uh, it might be better for us to just slow down and take a look at the things that are in the, uh, in the message uh, of Jude. Uh, so <clears throat> I think the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read the book of Jude. Uh, to you because it doesn't, it won't take that long. Then we'll come back and look at a, a more or less a verse by verse uh, review uh, of this book. I will probably at least comment uh, that uh, uh, at least a little bit on one thing as we as we get started into this because maybe set set the uh, context a little bit for us here this morning. Uh, the book starts out says Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. And the brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. Uh, first of all, the book of Jude, he, he identifies himself as the brother of James. Uh, if we look at who James is and in, in the book of James, we find uh, he is the brother of Christ. And if we look back in, the, the, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, 55 and Mark 6 uh, verse 3, we'll find that uh, Jude would also then be the brother of Christ, uh, which James was. But he doesn't identify himself as the brother of Christ. He identifies himself as the servant of Christ. And so uh, he goes on to say that he's writing this particularly to those that are sanctified by God. 
I'll, I'll pause long enough to say, uh, if you're sanctified by God, that, do, that means that uh, the word sanctified meaning set apart for the service or set apart for a holy service or a holy purpose. This means that uh, we've been set up, sanctified by God the Father. Uh, when did that? When were you set aside for a holy purpose uh, by God the Father? And that was before the foundation of the world when He chose you in Christ Jesus. So we've been sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ. I think that's important that, uh, that we understand that we have been preserved in Christ and that we've also been called. So with that, I'll read through this, uh, having maybe set the context. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered under the saints. Uh, usually, when I hear people preach on the book of Jude, they usually preach on these first three verses, and that's usually about all you get. Uh, so, but Lord willing, we'll try to look at the rest of the rest of the message that Jude had. He says, "For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men." Uh, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, setting the context, uh, Jude is writing because there are people that have come in among them, certain men that have come in among them, that were teaching things that were not, not true. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, now he's reminding them of some things, reminding them about the, the people that came out of Egypt. He's reminding them at the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, and set forth an example, uh, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers, talking about these certain men, uh, likewise also these filthy dreamers uh, defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak e evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed uh, the devil. He disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but but said, "The Lord rebuke thee." But these speak evil of those things. Now I want you, as we're reading through this, because I'll I'll come back to this. Uh, he uses the word these. But these speak evil of th of those things which they know not. But that, uh, but what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. <clears throat> These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame, 
wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, boy, I'm telling you, uh, he's saying the Lord's coming back to do some convincing. These are murmurers, <clears throat> complainers, walking after their own lust. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. <clears throat> but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. I think here at the end of this, He's talking as we think about the challenges that are facing uh, the church. And he's saying there's men that have crept in. And he gives a lot of examples of what these men are doing and how they're misleading and so forth and what the possible results of this would be. But he says, now to you, but ye, beloved, build yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to prevent and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. So as, uh, as uh, Jude has written this little, uh, this message, and you, and you go back and you look at this, this thing, and there's a lot of references given as he's talking about these men uh, that had come among them and as the, the Old Testament examples that he had cited. And, you know, you almost become, uh, or at least I did as I was looking through this, I'm like, why is he giving us all of these and what do these various examples from the Old Testament have in common with each other? Uh, I, I, found, I found that uh, men inspired by the Holy Spirit who have, who have pinned these things down for our learning uh, are not just randomly pinning things down uh, as, they, as they write to the churches and to the New Testament and to us, but they're, they're led, led by the thought and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which is trying to present a clear thought to people. And so, so our challenge a lot of times in looking even at a little book like Jude is to figure out, what's the message? And, and what was he trying to tell them back in those days? And as we look back at what he was trying to tell them, what does that have to do with us? Uh, and, and try to figure those types of things out. So uh, we turn back over to the first first portion of this book. And uh, and as I noted, Jude uh, is not only the brother of James, but if he's the brother of James, then he's also the brother of Christ. Uh, and as we go back and as we scan through this thing and look at what all Jude has just said as we look through this, I see references in here to the writings of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. I also see references in there to many, many Old Testament scriptures. <coughs> 
And there's also one whole verse or two that he, <coughs> that he quotes straight out of the book of Enoch. Uh, and so I'm going back and I'm looking at, uh, at uh, what Jude had done. And I say, you know, this man was, you know, he penned one little book here in the, in the uh, New Testament scriptures. But obviously he was a man that was well acquainted with the writings of Christ and the teachings of Christ. He was a man well acquainted with the Apostle Paul and, and the Apostle Peter and their writings. And he was also acquainted with the Old Testament writings uh, and, the, and the writings of Enoch, which is not, uh, was not considered by uh, those that put the, uh, the text of the Bible together to be an inspired book. Uh, uh, but obviously something that he quoted a portion of uh, and something I think probably at times we ought to at least uh, uh, think about. So anyway, that's my commentary on that. But he's, all, so he's, he's obviously a very, very knowledgeable man. And in, and in reading any book uh, of the Bible, we ought to always note who it is written by. Uh, in this case, Jude, what his qualifications are, but we also need to notice who it's written to, and then what it's what it's writing about. And so, uh, Jude says he's writing this to those to them that are sanctified by God the Father. So, uh, first of all, I guess if we go back and, and look at this and uh, uh, and think about what he's what he's writing, he's writing to those who are uh, are called of God, called of God, uh, those who are sanctified by God the Father. And as we've mentioned. The word sanctified means to be separated for a holy purpose. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we talk about uh, sanctification as it applies to our daily lives. Sanctification as it applies to our daily lives is us setting ourselves aside for the holy purpose of God. We don't make ourselves uh, more holy for heaven. That work is accomplished by Jesus Christ and his shed blood. It made us as holy as we need to be for being in the presence of Jesus Christ and of God the Father. But we are to live a better, better life and to set ourselves aside for his purpose. If, if we don't set ourselves aside for the purposes of God here in our daily living, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, we'll never accomplish the things that we could accomplish uh, here in this life, uh, it takes some. Uh, uh, while I, I know, uh, and I'll just, I guess, give this example a little bit. You have to set yourselves aside from the things of the world to come and assemble yourselves together here this morning. Uh, Brother Adam and I uh, were called to the Lord to the to the ministry and to to preach and to serve God's people. Uh, I've known people that did not. Uh, while they were called of God, did not set themselves aside for that purpose. Uh, in other words, uh, they resisted the call or maybe uh, ignored it altogether. And in many cases, uh, uh, you know, the, the wrath of God was brought upon them for that. But I do all that to say, you know, he tells us that we're sanctified by God, uh, the Father, and that we're preserved <clears throat> in Jesus Christ. And so if we think about being preserved, uh, I could turn over to the 10th chapter of the book of John where it talks about we're in the hand of God and we shall never perish. We're preserved in Christ Jesus. We're preserved by his, uh, by his death, by his resurrection. And uh, I'm not worried this morning about a single one of the, ch the children of God perishing eternally uh, because they are preserved in Christ Jesus. Uh, so he's writing this to a particular group of people, those that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ, and those who are called. And, and when he says called, uh, I want you to recognize this morning, 
all of you have been called from a death in sins to a life in Christ. And we could turn over to various scriptures in the first Corinthian letter, I believe it is, where he's talking about to those that are called uh, and how that word is used in the New Testament. Uh, but we've been called from a death in sins to a life in Christ. And he's also talking about uh, to those uh, and, and says, mercy and peace be multiplied uh, and m mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you about the common salvation. Uh, and I, I believe this common salvation that's under consideration uh, uh, is, is our new birth uh, that we all have in common here in Christ Jesus uh, while we live here in this old world and that will eventually carry us on, on home as well. Uh, <clears throat> there's also a, a gospel calling that you and I have. Not only are we called in Christ Jesus uh, but we're also called by the gospel to come and be obedient to him. Uh, you know, I, as we get over into this a little bit, I, you know, it talks about those that had come among them that had misused the things of, of God. Uh, and uh, I, I was listening to a sermon earlier this week and uh, that, I, that, that uh, I guess had been linked to me online or whatever. You know, and, uh, sometimes I think that people, uh, if they're not careful, will almost create what I call a straw man scenario among, among, about primitive Baptists. Uh, I've heard people say, well, because primitive Primitive Baptists believe in grace. Uh, they also believe that you can live any way you want to uh, because we're saved by grace. Uh, well, I've been among the Primitive Baptists for 61 years. Uh, I have never heard uh, anybody get up in the stand and say salvation by grace gives you some license to go out and live any way you want to. Uh, uh, and I think I've heard quite a number of sermons. Uh, uh, and I've, not only that, I've preached quite a number of sermons somewhere in the last 27 plus years. Uh, and uh, in, that, in that period of time, I don't think I I've ever advocated to God's little children that they should be rebellious in, in any way uh, to the things of the Word of God. So uh, we can create a little straw man out there if you want to and, you know, try to beat people up and say, well, you know, anyway. So uh, we're, not going, we're not going to do that here this morning. But he says, mercy and peace be unto you. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Uh, it was, uh, and it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should also, or, and I use the word also, so maybe I shouldn't put, be putting words in there, but he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the uh, common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. I think it's important for us for just just to take just a minute and to, uh, and to think about uh, what does it mean to earnestly contend? <clears throat> Uh, you know, uh, to earnestly contend for something is almost like being in the words that are used there is kind of like being in a fight. Uh, and I'm not encouraging all of us to go out and get in a fight uh, and begin to, uh, to box. But I think he said the effort required to earnestly contend for this thing is also kind of like getting into a struggle of some sort. Uh, and that we need to be prepared uh, to, go, to go out and take on this struggle as we earnestly contend for the faith. So he says, when I wrote unto you about the common salvation, he said, I also found it needful to exhort does anybody know what the word exhort means? It means to encourage, to implore, to beg almost, to beg you. Uh, he says, I found it needful to write unto you and exhort you or beg you or encourage you that you should earnestly contend for the faith 
which was once delivered unto the saints. So uh, this morning, as I look and say, uh, what is what is part of our message this morning? I want to do the same thing that Jude did. I want to take his words and I want to exhort or encourage or beg you this morning that we ought to be earnestly contending for the faith once delivered unto the saints. And there's a lot of things when we think about the faith the teaching, the belief, the scriptures that were once delivered to the saints, uh, there's a lot of things that we have to put into context or into our thought process to say, how do, how, how do I earnestly contend for the faith? Is it, do you earnestly contend for the faith by constantly arguing with people about what the Bible teaches? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, uh, in fact, I don't think that does a lot of good. Uh, but uh, so, so how do you earnestly contend? Well, one thing you do is you stand strong in the things and you don't let others persuade you to not believe the things that are taught by God's Word. That's whether it be in relation to how salvation is taught in the Scriptures, which is one part of it, but it's also so that you're not... uh, One way you can earnestly contend for the faith is to live the kind of life that declares that you believe what's taught in God's Word, okay? So uh, it's it's kind of a double thing in there. One, uh, when it comes to salvation, don't be dissuaded by all the things that are taught out there by others out here in the world about what... Uh, the Bible actually teaches. Uh, don't be dissuaded that what uh, uh, God's Word actually teaches is wrong. But also don't be dissuaded to live the life that so many live out here uh, that are not in in, uh, uh, in accord with God's Word just because that's what everybody's doing today. Now, the, the early church, Jude, one of the uh, half-brothers, if you want to call it that, really, of Christ, uh, born to Joseph and Mary, not to the Holy Spirit and Mary, uh, as Christ was, uh, uh, he was writing these things in the first century church. And already there were people among them that were causing trouble in the church. And part of what uh, Jude set about to do was, first of all, he said, here's who I'm writing to. I'm writing to those who are sanctified by God the Father, to those who are preserved in Jesus Christ, to those who are called. And like I said, whether that calling is talking about our holy calling from above or whether it's talking about a gospel calling that we receive here in this life uh, to come and to be obedient. He was exhorting those that were sanctified and preserved and called to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And he says... Why? Because there's certain men that have crept in among you, uh, which were before ordained ungodly men, that have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. And obviously there were people in that day and time that had turned the grace of God into something that says, you know, live any way you want to. Sin, go about it, doesn't matter. Uh, uh, And he says, these are ungodly men that have crept in among you, and they're denying the Lord, Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. As I looked over the big message of this uh, of this of this uh, of this book a little bit, uh, one of the things that I realized was that, you know 
Jude knew something about what God had warned people about, what Jesus had warned people about all through the all down through the time. He says, uh, if we think about it, this was a warning that had never been this was not a warning that had never been given before. And Jude reminds them that the same warning that uh, men were going to come among them and cause problems was also given by Jesus Christ and by the by the apostles. Let's turn back over if we can real quickly to Matthew chapter seven. Uh, Brother Adam's been teaching us and 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 uh, uh, preaching to us on th- some things from the book of Matthew. If we turn back over to Matthew 7, uh, we'll find over there in verse 15, he says, beware of false prophets. This is the red letters, if you will, if you're not looking at your Bible. Uh, this is the red letters. This is the words of Jesus uh, uh, given uh, some time before, uh, before the writing of the book of Jude. He says, beware of false prophets which come, uh, come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are <coughs> ravening wolves. Uh, you shall know them by their fruits. Do, uh, do men gather grapes of um, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, of every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil tree, fruit and so forth. So he's telling us that there are those that would come among them uh, that would be like ravening wolves. Uh, uh, in other places, I think the Apostle Paul talks about men uh, being in sheep and uh, wolves in sheep's clothing uh, and so forth. Uh, over in the book of Acts, we'll find another portion of Scripture. Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is writing uh, uh, this portion of Scripture, is talking about the, uh, the last visit of the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. And we find in Acts 20 and 29, he says to those elders at Ephesus, he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So uh, Jesus gives a warning. Paul gives a warning. Uh, Paul also gives a warning. If we turn over to 1 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 4, I believe it is, uh, uh, we'll find over there the Apostle Paul warning the young preacher Timothy also of some of these similar uh, types of things. Uh, in uh, 1 Timothy 4.13, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to, d- to doctrine, uh, uh, and so forth. Uh, let me go back to the first part. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in, the la- in, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So uh, he says there's those that are going to come among you that are going to teach things, uh, uh, speaking things that uh, uh, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So Paul is warning Timothy in this occasion. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, he also gives Timothy a second warning. This know also in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, uh, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sinful lust, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come, 
to a knowledge of the truth. So uh, over and over and over again here in the, uh, in the New Testament scriptures, we've got warnings of beware, 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 beware of false doctrines, those that are uh, creeping in among the congregation. And so here again in the book of Jude, we have Jude saying, Beware, watch out for those that are creeping in among you and those that may be uh, uh, teaching things that uh, would not be in accord with us, saith the word of God. Finally, I'll turn over, if we can, real quickly to Second Peter uh, chapter 3. And we'll see again uh, how these things play out in other writings of the New Testament scriptures. In Second Peter chapter 3, uh, ver- beginning with verse 1, he says, This second epistle, beloved, I write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and, by, and, and of the commandment of the, of the apostles of the, of the Lord of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So uh, again, we have example after example, Peter giving warning, Paul giving warning, Jesus giving warning, both of of ravening wolves, wolves in sheep clothing, uh, uh, and also then that in the last times, perilous times are going to come. But, uh, you know, some of these perilous times were coming even in the time of the first century church of Jude. And Jude is having to write to these people and, and warn them, beware of those that have crept in amongst you, ungodly men, uh, uh, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Then I believe that Jude begins to go off and begin, is, is, if you're trying to look at what's taking place, okay, uh, here in this portion of Scripture, I believe he give, what he gives in the following verses are several examples of rebellion. Uh, and how, uh, you know, and uh, I think as we look at this, you see rebellion never really works out very good for the rebel. Uh, and, uh, but as we look down through here, he gives several examples. He says, I will therefore put you in remembrance. You know, this morning I can't put you in remembrance of something you don't already know. I can put you in remembrance of things you already know, uh, or I could teach you something you never knew before. Uh, But I can't put you in remembrance of something that you didn't already know. And Jude says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, they once knew this. They once knew how the Lord saved his people out of Egypt and afterward destroyed them that believe not. Uh, we've been studying through some of that uh, uh, on Wednesday nights, looking about, and we haven't quite gotten to the destruction part of it yet, but we have been studying in the book of Exodus how uh, the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt. Uh, we've also taught and preached about some things. If we go on over a little bit further, you'll find in the book of Numbers, the children of Israel were caused to journey for 40 years in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt to, because they didn't enter into Canaan's land and they didn't enter into Canaan's land the first opportunity because of unbelief. Uh, and the unbelief being that they didn't believe God uh, when God said he would give them the land and they refused to go over there uh, and believe the reports of the 10 that went over rather than the reports of the two that went over and said, we got it. 
we can take this land. Why? Because they had seen what God had done in Egypt and they had seen what how God had continued to care for them and take care of them. Uh, Brother Adam has mentioned several times on Wednesday nights that these this number of people that came out of e- Egypt, uh, the children of Israel that come out of there, you know, 6 million, 10 million, whatever the number was, it was a large, large number of people. And the only way they could be nourished and fed and taken care of God had to take care of them over in a desert-type land over there. He had to provide water for them. He had to provide food for them. And they had an opportunity to go into Canaan's land and didn't enter in because of unbelief. Now, here's what happened. All those above the age of 19, except for Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. And And that was God's judgment upon the adults of the land uh, because they failed to believe God, they all perished out there in the wilderness. And the only reason jo- Joshua and Caleb was the two witnesses of the twelve that went in, that came back and said, "We got it. We can take it. Let's go." Uh, and even Moses didn't enter in. Of course, there was another reason why Moses didn't enter in. It wasn't necessarily unbelief. It was actually rebellion to doing exactly what God had told him to do about bringing water from the rock the second time. But anyway, that's another story. Moses didn't enter in, and only two adults entered in, Joshua and Caleb, that had actually come in, come out of the land of Egypt. Only two. So he says, I'm going to bring to remembrance, uh, though you once knew this, how the Lord having saved his people, he saved his people, Israel, uh, out of the land of Egypt and afterward destroyed them that believed not. They, their rebellion was unbelief and God destroyed them. The Bible does not say, uh, that gets back to that sermon I listened to earlier this week, I guess a little bit. But, you know, a lot of times uh, one of the mistakes I think people make in studying the Word of God is every time they see the word perish or they see the word God destroyed, somehow or another they believe that God uh, caused them to perish eternally or destroyed eternally instead of realizing there's some perishing and some destruction that takes place right here in this old world that we live in. Uh, The children of Israel that God saved out of Egypt uh, were destroyed uh, in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Uh, uh, But I don't believe that took their name out of the Lamb's book of life. Uh, uh, If God delivered them out uh, eternally, my friends, uh, uh, they were written in the hand of God and could not be plucked out of his hand. And so uh, uh, you've got to rightly divide the word of truth when we're studying it. And he says, he afterward destroyed them that believed not. So there was a destruction for their rebellion. Finally, uh, let's go to verse 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under judgment of that great day. Now we could turn over into the book of Revelation and we'd read over there how Satan, how the devil and his angels are destroyed in eternal torment forever and ever because of their rebellion. Uh, uh, the the angels that followed after Satan and his rebellion against God, and, and we could go over and read about how uh, in, in Isaiah and Ezekiel and other places how. Satan uh, thought it was puffed up in his own beauty, in his own glory, and thought himself that he could be like God, and uh, uh, no doubt kind of led his own little rebellion, if you will, and uh, managed to talk other angels into following after him. But God has reserved these angels that rebelled against him, and these cherubs, I should add cherubs only because... If we read the book of Ezekiel, uh, we'll find uh, that Satan himself was an anointed cherub uh, that was in the Garden of Eden uh, during that time. And so uh, we find over there that uh, God has reserved these 
again for the everlasting chains uh, uh, under darkness uh, under the judgment of that great day. So, again, rebellion or disobedience, if you want to call it that. Verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about, about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. Fornication was obviously something God was not very pleased with. And going after strange flesh, which I believe is a reference, if we go back in the Old Testament uh, and look and see what happened to the, what the men of Sodom and Gomorrah tried to do to the angels that came down to Lot's house uh, that night to visit them. They were hammering at the, the door of Lot's house, begging Lot to bring these men out to them that had come into his house. Uh, we see this same kind of behavior going on today in the world that we're living in, uh, often called homosexuality. Uh, but these men have given themselves over to, stra- the Bible says, strange flesh. Okay? I think, though, we can understand what it's talking about. Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them had given themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh and set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So God rained fire down upon those cities and destroyed them because of their sinful nature uh, in that in that matter. So uh, again, uh, God God talks about and, and brings uh, uh, this destruction upon these uh, these cities. Uh, we see one he destroyed people because of unbelief. Uh, we know uh, again, just to make sure it's clear, I guess, to people uh, this morning. Uh, I don't believe <laughs> you'd almost think that some people believe that unbelief is the sin that Christ couldn't die for uh, and couldn't overcome. But I can tell you, Christ can overcome all sins by by His blood on the cross, uh, even the sin of unbelief. Uh, But uh, God did destroy the children of Israel in the wilderness because of their unbelief. And you know what they didn't get to enjoy? They didn't get to enjoy the wonderful fruits of Canaan's land. And I see a lot of people who are destroyed today out here in this old world, uh, whether the destruction is partially their own fault or, uh, or maybe a judgment from God, uh, but uh, because of their unbelief, you know, unbelief, well, anyway, we can go into talking about, you know, to me, unbelief is only possible if it's possible that you could believe, okay? Uh, and to, and to uh, have a possibility to believe, uh, I'd, I'd say, uh, would be the fact that uh, you were born of the Spirit and had the possibility of believing. But anyway, we could, that's kind of speculating a little bit there. Anyway, so uh, it says uh, they were destroyed because of unbelief, because they believed not. Also, we look and find the angels were destroyed because of their uh, their rebellion against God. And finally, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of their sinful, their sinful nature. So uh, we, as we look at it, God, God has often brought judgment uh, against sin. God has often brought judgment against the angels uh, and, and, their reserve, and the reserves that he had for them. So uh, he gives us an example of, what God, of God's response to rebellion. Okay? Uh, so he, he, the, if we started to go back to this portion of Scripture, I will therefore put you, as he's talking about, those that had crept in among them unawares who were teaching things that that were wrong, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, he says, I will bring you to remembrance of some things. 
So right after he talks about these men that had crept in among them and teaching things that were wrong, his next, his next uh, thing to do in the writing of this letter is to remind them God judges those uh, both of unbelief, rebellion, uh, sinful natures, or whatever it might be. God is the one that brings the, brings the judgment upon, upon them in these cases. So uh, we get to verse, verse 8. He says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers, <clears throat> these filthy dreamers uh, defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignity. So these same people that had crept in amongst them unaware... These same people uh, uh, were dreamers that uh, that defile the flesh. Uh, if we go and look at that, the word uh, says, uh, likewise, these men that had crept in among them uh, in the church were filthy dreamers. And when you look at what that word dreamers, filthy dreamers, it says to be beguiled with sensual images and carried away with an impious course of conduct. So in other words, their morality was wrong. So these same ones that had crept in among them that were teaching these things uh, were also uh, uh, beguiled with sensual images. Uh, today, I guess you'd think about uh, pornography and those types of things that come to, come to mind uh, would be something that people are uh, sensual images that stir people up in the wrong way. And uh, again, these people were, were uh, filthy dreamers uh, who defiled the flesh, and not only that, they despised dominion. You know, there's all kinds of dominion uh, today, uh, and, and I guess I could look, we could look at this, may, may look at this a little bit, but uh, you can despise the dominion of men and women in the church. There are those that have the rule over you. Uh, the Bible talks about, uh, again, we looked at the book of Hebrews, studied all through it. We get over to the chapter 13. It says, remember them that have the rule over you, that care for your souls, that teach to you the things of the word of God. So there are those today that despise dominion. He says, there are those that crept in among them. They despise dominion. Uh, not only did they probably despise the dominion of, of the laws of the land, but they despise the dominion, I think, particularly of the laws of the church and the rule of the church and the fact that God's word is to have dominion over us. So he says they despise, they despise dominion, speak evil of dignity. <clears throat> so he says they speak evil of dignities and so forth, uh, uh, but these speak evil of those things that they know not about. So we go on down through here, we'll see more and more. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. And then he brings in this example in verse 9. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, uh, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not, does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. I think there's an example given, given to us here in this verse 9 of maybe sometimes how we should, how we should handle ourselves. Uh, he's talking about those that dis that were filthy dreamers that defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. And then he reminds them suddenly in the middle of this. That's that's what I'm saying. Sometimes if you don't keep a train of thought about what the message is about, you say, "Why in the world in the middle of this thing about talking about them being filthy dreamers uh, and who defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities?" Did he suddenly bring up? The archangel Michael contending with the devil about the body of Moses. Why, why is that thrown in there in the middle of this? Well, the whole point of this suddenly in this is to say uh, 
that even in the midst of this contention, whatever it was, I'm not saying I understand what the contention about the body of Moses was all about. Uh, there'd be things that I'd tell you I don't understand about the Bible and what it's, what it's discussing. But it's suddenly in the middle of this, he says, Michael's response to Satan during this contention was, the Lord rebukes thee. So who, who is to do the rebuking? Sometimes we get the idea, these filthy dreamers. Maybe, uh, maybe he didn't want to give the idea that suddenly in the middle of all this that we're to go up and just shake our fist and begin to, to, you know, to rail upon them about their things. Maybe the best thing that we can say sometimes to people is, the Lord rebuke thee. God's word rebuke you because God's word teaches that you shouldn't be doing these types of things. Uh, so let the Lord rebuke thee uh, uh, in these things. So, uh, so yet the archangel Michael said, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally is brute beast. In those things they corrupt themselves. So he he's, goes on to say, but these, again, uh, you know, if you're, if you're following along in your Bible, you underline, these are filthy dreamers, defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. These speak evil of those things which they know not. Today, I, you know, there's, there are people, um, and you can find this, uh, sadly to say, among uh, New Testament Christianity, uh, there are those that, uh, that obviously speak evil of those things they don't even know about. Uh, today you have people among the clergy being taught uh, that uh, that Mary was not a virgin. Uh, there's no way that that's possible. They'll you know they'll get up and teach this from the stand in spite of what the Bible says. These people are speaking evil of those things that they don't even know about. We have people today that condemn uh, Christians for their their positions on things related to. Uh, uh, homosexuality, uh, gay marriage, uh, abortion, and other things, and they speak evil about you. Uh, they talk about how you're just terrible. Uh, sometimes uh, we're, you know, churches and so forth that speak out against these things are labeled as terrorist groups almost because, by certain people because they speak out against these things. And you have people that are talking about them that are speaking evil of things they don't even know about and don't even understand. So he says, these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beast and those things, they corrupt themselves. I mean, you listen to the language of this and, uh, and you don't get too far away from where we are today. The things that they know naturally uh, as brute beast, he says, uh, they corrupt themselves in that type of stuff. And that's a lot of what we see going on, unfortunately, in the world today. But he says, woe to them. Uh, now then he pronounces several woes. Uh, woe to them that are gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Uh, so now these, I guess maybe this is where I'll kind of, you know, I hate to stop in the middle of this, but I guess I'll stop in the middle of this because he now pronounces woe to them that have gone the way of Cain. What way did Cain go? Cain became jealous of his own brother uh, and despised his own brother because God acknowledged uh, that Abel's sacrifice by faith was accepted with God and Cain's sacrifice, which was not by faith, was not accepted of God. And so Cain became, uh, Cain became uh, uh, upset about that and mad about that and he called his brother out into the field 
and, his, and, and slew his brother uh, simply because he had been found favor with God and because Cain did not find favor with God. Uh, so as we look back at this, he says, Woe to them that have gone the way of Cain, uh, that have become murderous killers of their own brethren and brothers, uh, because God was was found to be uh, found them to be in favor today, you know you can, uh, I, I still get the Birmingham News, which is probably one of those things that very few people do anymore. Nobody likes to read the newspaper, uh, but uh, you know you do everything online now, so you don't need a newspaper anymore. But anyway, you know you can't pick up the Birmingham News every time I get it three days a week, and you turn over to about the second third page of the Birmingham News, it lists. This person was murdered, and this person was murdered, and this person was murdered, this person's been killed, this, this young child has been shot. Uh, he says, woe to them that have gone the way of Cain, uh, that have just become murderous killers of their own brothers. And, and you could apply that spiritually, I think, as well as naturally. Uh, but, I mean, you have many times where families are killing families and so forth right here in our own community, right here in Birmingham and what I call our community. And you've got sometimes inside the church, brothers killing brothers over things related to, related to the things of the church. So he says, Woe to them that have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam. What is the error of Balaam? Do you remember Numbers chapter 24? It hadn't been that many years ago, or probably since I spoke about Balaam uh, and Balaam's ass and how Balaam was, uh, was called, back, called out by Balak to go and to prophesy against the children of Israel. The children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They're journeying in the wilderness. Uh, they're about to go up and attack the various uh, nations that are along the Jordan River that, before they go over into Jerusalem. And Balak says, oh, I know this guy named Balaam over here. Uh, I need to get him to come and to prophesy against the people of God. Well, Balaam comes and says, hey, what God, is, what God has revealed is that these people are blessed. They're going to inherit the land and so I can't curse those. Uh, but Balak just kept on and on and on. And God told Balaam, don't get up and go uh, with him in the morning till he comes and asks you to come and go with him uh, and so forth. And so Balaam got up the next morning and went with him anyway. Then, then you have the whole episode of Balaam's ass and uh, speaking to Balaam and, you know, telling him, you know, hey, uh, you know, have I ever gone wrong? I'm trying to keep you from going this way. God put an angel in his path and so forth and, uh, to try to keep Balaam from going. Well, eventually, if you read the rest of the story, go in and read all about Balaam. Balaam was eventually uh, killed by the children of Israel uh, because he was still among the Amorites or whoever it was that was there in that part of the country at that time. And mainly the reason Balaam was asked to go down there is Balak told him, he says, I'll give you a lot of money if you come down here and prophesy against the children of Israel. I'll just give you anything and everything almost you can imagine. So here he says, Woe to them that have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. I think what he's saying here is there are people sometimes that uh, go into God's service strictly because of money. <clears throat> I think we see that today. Uh, many people have turned the, the uh, service of God more into a business uh, and to a business model than what they've done, than to actually serving the people of God. So, it, woe to them that have ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. So, if you go back and look at uh, Korah, uh, back in the Old Testament scriptures, Korah and his his uh, 
his brethren rose up and blasphemed and uh, against uh, against uh, Moses and Aaron uh, because they and said, you know, I don't understand why Moses and Aaron ought to be the ones leading these this people out here. And said. I think we're just as good a leaders as they are, and so I don't understand why they they should be doing that. Uh, the big difference was God called Moses and Aaron, and he called them to that position, uh, and so they were out gainsaying against uh, Moses and his position and Aaron and his position, and uh, God says, uh, told Moses, said, uh, you need to have Korah over there and his family assemble in front of their tents, uh, and when he had them assemble in front of their tents, God opened up the ground, swallowed them all up, and that was the end of Korah and his family. So he says, Woe to them that have gone after the ways of Cain, those that have gone after the uh, the ways of Balaam, and those that have gone into the gainsaying ways of Korah. So I guess I'll give you a quick summary now of where we are on the message of Jude, okay? Jude, the book of Jude was written to those who were sanctified, who were preserved and called, and they were warned, uh, and he asked them to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, for there were those that had crept in among them uh, that were uh, taking the word of God uh, uh, and uh, the grace of God and making it into lasciviousness. And then he gives them uh, three, if you will, examples uh, of things, that of judgment that God brought against rebellion. He judged uh, the uh, children of Israel that came out and, and fell in the, uh, in the wilderness because of unbelief. He also called out and made an example of the rebellion of the angels. Uh, and I guess uh, now if I can remember what the third, uh, third example was, maybe I have to turn back over there and look at it myself real quickly uh, to make, and Sodom and Gomorrah. So that was three examples of rebellion. Then he says, these men have done these things and he says, woe to them and he gives three examples. Woe to them that have gone the way of Cain. Woe to them that have gone the way of Balaam. And woe to those who have gone the way of Kor. So now he's got this whole thing kind of set up here about rebellion, uh, and about uh, judgment of God and these men that have come among you. And then as we get a little bit further over into it, he'll, he shows us and tells us how we can contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And he gives us, a, uh, I guess, a, almost a seven-point seven example of how we can uh, find ourselves and keep ourselves closer to God. And to me, that's the message for us today. The same message as them. Constantly be aware of what's going on, those that are creeping in amongst you. Uh, today, so many of our churches, and I, when I say our churches, I'm not necessarily referring to primitive Baptist churches. I'm speaking churches of New Testament. Many have let many different doctrines creep in among them. They've let many things te- creep into the church. And we'll talk about some of this that have crept into the churches and what is destroying our churches from the inside. Uh, Unbelief is destroying the churches from the inside for one thing. Uh, and there's many other false doctrines and teachings that are destroying the church today. And if the church is going to survive for the future, we're going to have to do the things that, that Jude pointed out to the New Testament church here. We're going to find ourselves drawing closer to him and closer and closer and closer and contending for God's faith. May God bless you uh, as we get into this. This won't be one of those 30-week sermon issues, I don't think. You know, this will be more like two or maybe three tops. Uh, But I think it's important as we start out this new year, we're going to be under uh, attack. We are under attack. 
we need to understand the tax come from both within and without and that uh, how are we going to contend for the faith if we don't know what to do? May God bless you is our prayer.